We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you have come to worship with us today. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a black folder that is our friendship pad, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you are a regular or whether you are visiting with us. The announcement sheet is inside of the bulletin, and you can see that uh, there are lots of things going on, and much of them revolve around Vacation Bible School, which begins tomorrow. We have about 200 people involved in the whole thing. I thought it was 200 children. It's not, but that's 200 people sort of involved in all of it, including the adults. And you'll notice that next Sunday is Vacation Bible School Sunday, including a celebration in worship and a, some bounce houses for the kids afterwards. And you can buy, not hamburgers this year for lunch, but you can buy crepes for lunch this year. So you may want to check that out for after the service next Sunday morning uh, out, on the, out near Tankersley Hall. Uh, we will hear more about Vacation Bible School a little bit later. Also, our summer choir is singing. You can be part of summer choir for the next two Sundays if you'd like to be. Starting at 8 o'clock, you just come on 8 o'clock Sunday morning, no other practice. You practice for a half an hour, and you sound really great. Do you have any? Look, they have three empty seats. Might be enough for you. Love to have you join them next Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Hmm? Oh, only one empty seat, because they're going to take two of them. So grab that spot. Somebody already did this week. We have some new people every time. Ah, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Also, in a couple of weeks, on Sunday evening, we have an awe, which is at-home hospitality hour. The agenda of the whole evening is just to get to know other people. So you bring food to share, and whatever you bring is the menu. And we just spend the evening talking to one another and mixing. It is a great evening. You're invited to come, but because that's a gated community, you're going to need to sign up so that we can give your name at the gate. So we're signing up after the service out on the patio today and next week. There is no charge for that. Also, our book talk group has been reading The Nightingale, which is about occupied France in World War II. That discussion is in just a couple of weeks. If you have not started it, you have time, and it is a very quick read because once you start, you won't be able to put it down. So we'd love to have anybody join us for that conversation as long as you have read the book. Also, out on the patio today, you'll find some cards that you could take about praying for Vacation Bible School. They would love to have you take a card and pray for a particular leader or a particular part of what is going to be going on this week at Vacation Bible School. And our flowers this morning are in honor of an anniversary, 40th anniversary for Mike and Debbie Regal. So we congratulate them. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Lord, uh, we come into your presence this morning grateful that you have invited us to come to you, that you are the God of all comfort and mercy, and you meet us here. We ask that your Holy Spirit will bring illumination to your word, fill us up as we celebrate together your amazing gift of life to us. Thank you for this beautiful world in which we live. May that beauty emerge within each one of our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in your bulletin. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. We will trust in the Lord. Amen. Let us stand and praise God together. fix our eyes on you this morning. Come now, fount. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart. 
Strength will rise, church. As we wait, as we wait. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. As we wait upon the Lord. Let us wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. You do. 
so we will wait, church. The prophet Isaiah calls us to confession. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy milk and wine, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And so trusting in God's everlasting love, we come to him and tell him the truth about ourselves as we pray responsively. Righteous Father, we who own more than we use, proclaim more than we experience, and request more than we need, come asking your forgiveness. We seek your salvation. Then act like we save ourselves. We beg your forgiveness. Then repeat our errors. We experience your grace. Then act defeated. We rely on your power. But only in hard times. We have become confused and misguided. Forgive our every defection. Bring us to an unbroken commitment and a steady trust through Jesus Christ, who is the way of hope, the truth of God, and the life of love now and always. And so now in the silence, we listen to you and ask that you will show us the places in our hearts that need confession to you. Hear now the confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen.
God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the offenses of your people. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show your mercy. Once again, you have compassion on us. You tread our sins underfoot and hurl our transgressions into the depths of the sea. Through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. You may take your pew Bible out if you would and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Jesus is teaching to his disciples, not only in this Gospel, but the same almost identical passage in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And then one verse from 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Beginning in verse 13 of chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry or be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat or what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying, for it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all of your anxieties on him, on Jesus, for he cares for you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, you are a God of comfort and mercy. You meet us in the depths of our needs. You call us to life, to trust in you, 
to walk in the way of your kingdom. We ask now that as we open your word, that you will minister to us through your spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, is there anyone here who has never experienced anxiety? I think anxiety is a part of the human condition. It is simply there. It may be stirred within us by internal circumstances or external circumstances. And Lord knows there is enough in the world in which we live to make us anxious. With confrontations of blue and black, with assassins in the streets of Dallas, with all kinds of political rhetoric that at times is highly destructive and stirs anxiety and fear in those who watch cable television or social media. It's all there, and if you feed your soul upon it, it can stir discomfort from the depths of your being. Well, what is anxiety anyway? I think it begins with a perceived threat and gets translated into a biological experience that we may have. The adrenaline begins to pump into our blood and we find ourselves having more energy than we would normally. We may begin to find it very difficult to breathe. We may not be sure of what is happening. But it is a very real experience that we have and that we need to learn to deal with because it is a part of the human experience. Someone said that anxiety is not sin, but simply a precondition for sin. It gets imprinted on us. We learn to worry, to be anxious from the time we are children. Baby fears maybe that they cannot find the source of food and they begin to cry. I remember when I was about three years old, it got imprinted in my own soul. I needed my tonsils to be taken out. And so my parents began to take me to the doctor and they talked with me and I simply absorbed their dread, their anxiety. I began to feel that I was walking to the gallows, into the jaws of death. I, I simply absorbed their anxiety for me as any parent is concerned about a child and we have all, if we've ever been in a family, we know what this is about. The anxiety, the worry that can come to us caused by members of our own family. And so the day that I had my tonsils out, I went into the doctor's office on the ninth floor. Little guy, three years old. They placed me on a table and then came the ether hood. In those years, they anesthetized with ether, and I began to feel that I was being suffocated. And I thought, I was right, they're killing me. <laughs> so I began to cry, and I began to scream, and I began to kick, and the lore of our family, the humor of our family, was a story that was told about little Jerry who nearly kicked this huge nurse out the ninth floor window of the of the office building. I learned to laugh about that, but it wasn't much fun at the time. All that came flooding into my memories as I was reading Elie Wiesel, Nobel Peace Prize winner, reading his little book entitled Open Heart. It's a short meditation upon his experience of having open heart surgery. He said when they began to to wheel me into the emergency room and I was entering an experience that I had not expected. He said, all these memories of my life 
began to flood into my imagination. I remembered my tonsils being taken out. I remembered when at 10 years old, the appendectomy. And the ether came out and he said, and I decided to, to resolve the problem by just not breathing. And finally, this beautiful black-haired nurse comforted him and pleaded with him, please let me put you to sleep. And he said, I fell in love with that nurse right there. She was such a sweet presence. But what also came back in that moment when he was having an emergency open-heart surgery, bypass surgery, were all the memories of his experience in a Nazi concentration camp as a teenager and watching his mother and younger sister being led into the, to the gas chambers, of his father being beaten nearly to death, and Ellie himself not being strong enough to do anything to help his father. It all came flooding in on him. He asked the doctors, have you told my wife? Could it be I will never see her again? The love of my life, my son, Elijah. I'll never see him again. He remembered others who had not awakened from that surgery. He shared, I awakened and I was given a new leash on life. But all of those issues of his whole life story flashed by his memory like post-traumatic stress syndrome that some of our veterans experience coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan, needing help. Anxiety is a serious thing. I think it was in the early 1990s. One afternoon I was driving through Laguna Hills. And I began to feel discomfort in myself. My blood pressure seemed to be going up. My heart was rapidly beating. I was anxious. I was afraid I was having a heart attack. So I drove myself to the emergency room at Saddleback Hospital. They took me in. They did all they needed to do. Finally, the doctor said, we're going to have to put you to sleep for an hour to see whether it's your heart or something else. And by that time, I was so anxious that I almost begged with him to knock me out. And when I awakened, the good news was, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack, an anxiety attack. What's going on in your life? I put my clothes on. I went into the next room, and another doctor met me, a psychiatrist. And the first question he asked of me was, have you ever contemplated suicide? And that made me even more anxious. He says, I think you have a mild depression and you've been working too hard and you need a vacation. I'm going to give you some Xanax, which is one of the most popular pills that is prescribed in our culture. I bet if I checked your medicine cabinets at home that many of you would have some of that there. Not too long, you know, I, I, the journey began very real for me then in dealing with my anxieties. Not only did I have some talk therapy, I came back here on a Sunday morning and shared the experience. I learned that I needed to share my own feelings about what was happening on the inside of me, things that I did not understand. It was a powerful time. Sunday morning came up, the time to preach, and I was afraid I couldn't make it through the sermon. Or I might pass out in the pulpit. And I confess, I, I took a few of those little tablets on a Sunday morning, and they helped. 
And when we went on our summer vacation, we, with the Maxwells, we hiked 50 miles in the high Sierras carrying heavy packs, and there was no anxiety at all. It was wonderful breathing the air and seeing the skies and looking up and seeing the Milky Way from the top of the high Sierras with the shooting stars and being reminded of how vast this cosmos is and remembering there is such a thing as cosmic anxiety, that awareness of how small we are in this huge universe that none of us can measure. In such times as these, I've always been very grateful to remember that Jesus said a whole lot about anxiety. He asked his disciples, point blank, why do you worry about all the things that you worry about? The crowds were listening. Why are you anxious about food and clothing and housing? Why are you threatened by one another? God knows you need all of these things. He knows you need security. God wants to put his arms around you. Strive first for the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. It was as if Jesus was saying in life or in death, you belong to me. I created you. I am the author of life. And you cannot add one minute to your life by your own worry. How often I've needed to hear that. He went on to talk about the sparrows, the birds. You know, two sparrows, those little birds that I used to shoot with my BB gun. They're sold for a penny, he said. He said, not a one of them falls from heaven that your heavenly Father does not know. And consider the hairs on your head. For some of us, they're getting fewer. God has every one of them counted. Numbered. He knows all about that. Trust God. God is good. And Jesus walked that lonely way up to Jerusalem. And on the night in which he was arrested and betrayed by one of his good friends, Judas Iscariot, betrayed with a kiss, he took his three disciples, the inner core, Peter, James, and John to a dark place in the garden. And there he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And Luke tells us that his sweat was like great drops of blood. That's anxiety. That's worry. Not knowing what tomorrow may hold. Knowing likely it's going to mean suffering, even death. Jesus drank from the cup of the human condition, and because he did, he is able to sustain our lives, whatever may be happening to us in the circumstances of our lives. The apostles had the same experience. Paul wrote to Corinth, he said, look, I want you to know that there was a time in my life where I was so unbearably crushed that I thought the sentence of death was upon me. But that was to make me trust in God who raises the dead. And in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he, he shared all the dangers that he had lived through, the many times he had risked his life when he thought it was over in his missionary journeys, but he was not inclined to back off. And he said, in addition to all these dangers that I've endured, there is my constant anxiety for the churches. I know they're vulnerable. And they're weak in many ways. And I pray for them. And I want their lives to be sustained. And if you're a pastor, if you have any concern in our time about Christianity or the church, you cannot help but be anxious for the church. Paul said, in the midst of all this, I discovered that I had a thorn in my flesh. And I asked God three times to remove it from me. And each time the answer was no. He said, it's when you're weak that you're strong. 
You need to learn over and over again that my grace is sufficient for you and I can see you through. So Peter wrote, cast all of your anxiety on him. For he cares about you. Some time ago, spoke about the man who was visiting New York City and was doing a tour of St. Patrick's Cathedral at Rockefeller Plaza, one of the famous places in the world. And he was describing what he saw inside St. Patrick's, many witnesses to the truth of God's gospel, and especially over the altar, the cross, lifted up as the place where God dealt with our sin and the power of death and promised to be with us forevermore and poured out his peace upon us. He said, as they went to the front doors, those huge bronze doors of St. Patrick's and opened them up, you could see right across Fifth Avenue into, into the plaza and there was the bronze statue of Atlas holding the world on his back, bearing all the burdens, the anguish of humanity with the question being, how long could he hold it? How long can we carry the world on our own shoulders? The cross and atlas with the globe on top of his shoulders bent over juxtaposed against each other, one preaching the good news to the other. You do not have to carry that burden. Simply listen to the invitation of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. Cast your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you and He carries the whole cosmos. And the power of His love is the very source of your life and of the breath that you breathe this day. He sustains the church. He is sovereign God. I do not know what burden you carry on your shoulders in your heart this morning, but I guess there's quite a few. That's a part of the human condition. None of us knows for sure what tomorrow will hold, but we know who holds tomorrow and all of human life in his hands. It is God. This morning, the greatest gift you can give to yourself is to take that globe, that burden, that heavy weight on your shoulders and give it to Jesus. Not that it won't be there tomorrow, but you'll have opportunity again to give it to Jesus, to trust his love, to know that he's the good shepherd, that he's the one from whose love you can never be separated in life or in death. There's no power that can separate you. What we need to do is simply sink into over and over again to let go and surrender and let God so sustain our lives that we can live and breathe and work and love and play this day. Join me in prayer. Holy Father, we give ourselves to you. We take the burdens that we carry on our backs and we simply surrender them. We do not know how to do that all the time. And we may not want to face what some of the burdens and anxieties are really about inside our own hearts. But you call us to this place this morning of letting go and letting you 
and receiving the comfort of your spirit. Bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me and for us to affirm our faith. Printed in our bulletin, these are the question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism of the Book of Confessions of the Presbyterian Church. I read the question and we all respond together. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Thanks be to God. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering. God, you watch our ways and do not ever let us fall out of your loving arms. You know the anxieties that so easily overwhelm us. There are times when we find ourselves at the end of our rope, so needy of help. Many of us find ourselves in that place today, as do overwhelming numbers of people around the world. 
It is your powerful care, which runs beyond our capacity to cope. So we offer to you now our prayers for the broken places in our world and in our own lives. We pray for healing for the racial tensions and prejudices here and around the world. For all who are affected by the shootings in Dallas, in Baton Rouge, in St. Paul, we pray for all who work for law enforcement. We pray for our nation in this year when we are so anxious leading up to the elections. We pray, too, for all who are caught up in inhumanity and violence around the world, and for those who flee so very desperate to find a safe home. We pray, too, for those whose bodies and minds need your healing. Hear the names of those who need healing as we speak them aloud before you. Jeff Brown, Betsy Rao, Guy Kosky. And so we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, as you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we close with these great words. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. anxious. We are so tempted simply to run, to escape, to self-medicate. Or we decide that we will stand and fight and we mobilize our resources for the fight. The only remedy for anxiety and worry is to trust the goodness of God and to surrender in the faith that in life and in death we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Go forth in his peace. Amen. Amen.